0: He reaches into his waistband, I didn't know what he was doing, but all of a sudden he pulls a pistol in the air, he waves it in the air, I turn and I run, my heart fell at the bottom of my stomach, but here's what sadly happened, I slipped and I fell, and he stood over me, boom, boom, two gunshots ring out.
1: Welcome to Along the Way, I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. Rashawn Copeland is the author of the book, Start Where You Are, How God Meets You in Your Mess, Loves You Through It, and Leads You Out of It. He has a powerful testimony and contagious joy. If you want to learn how you can start where you are, then you are going to enjoy this conversation. I'll get to that conversation in just a moment, but as always, I want to thank you for listening to Along the Way. I hope that you like what you hear and that you subscribe. Please rate and review Along the Way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. All of my socials and contact links are in the show notes. And you can check out all of my episodes and join my email list at my website, alongtheway.media. I would love to hear from you. I also have a Patreon page if you want to help me to continue to put up these Along the Way episodes. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, simply go to patreon.com alongtheway and select a level. The link to become a Patreon supporter is in my show notes. And now, here's my Along the Way conversation with Rashawn Copeland. Well, Rayshawn Copeland, it is great to have you on along the way. Thanks so much for being here. It's quite a pleasure. I had the opportunity to hear a little bit about your story, and I am looking forward to going deeper and sharing that story with my audience here. And so, Rayshawn, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'd love to hear about your journey with the Lord.
0: John, I appreciate you, man. I love what you're doing, and you taking that brief moment to just share you know, really how you got this podcast started. That was amazing, man. Like we all need to have burning hearts for the Lord along the way. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. Rishon, just for everybody that's listening, Rishon is just mentioning that before we hit record, we had an opportunity to talk a little bit. And I just wanted to share what God did to Really birth this podcast and God has birthed a lot in you, Ray Sean. Yeah. And you've got an interesting book with, which is really your story. And it's called Start Where You Are. Yeah. And in Pittsburgh here, where I live, we have this interesting saying. And sometimes if you're asking somebody for directions, they might respond to you with this phrase that said, Oh, you can't get there from here. Mm-hmm. You've got to go somewhere else first. Gotcha. But I love that you're saying you can start where you are. So, Rashawn, tell me about how you started and how God led you to where you are.
0: Absolutely, bro. Uh, man, for me, for instance, I don't deserve to be where I am right now, you know? I'm shocked that I'm even a Christian to this very point, to this very day. And even a Christian author or minister even shocks me more. But one thing that I wouldn't be hard-pressed to say today is that we serve a merciful God that, who's always pursuing messy sinners like me, and I'm in need of a great savior. And I, I looked that I look at myself in the mirror every day. Like, wow, God's redeemed me. Like I am a beloved child now. And I just hope everyone really embraces that. You know, those who are listening in that are along the way. And yeah, bro. So whenever I was in high school and stuff, I was just confused about life. I had an identity crisis. I was attached to everything. But, you know, God's plan and purpose for my life. I was more in tune with like what society and culture was telling me was cool and relevant, like money mm-hmm. and cars and, and women. And I was listening to the guys like 50 Cent. I don't know if you know rap, rapper 50 oh, yeah. Cent, but yeah. that was my guy back in the day. And sadly, um, you know, me being an athlete and stuff, I didn't realize when I would get to running with gang members like it's real life. And mm-hmm. one day I was sitting in the park. After dark with this young lady who had an ex-boyfriend I didn't know about, but this guy calls his phone. You know, as this phone is ringing uh, and I look over at the girl's phone, me being a prideful, egotistical high school football player, future college football star. Mm. I take things in my own hands and I grab her phone snatch it from her hello yo what up why are you with? and then i hear this then i hear this why are you with my girl why are you with my girl and all of a sudden you know i'm saying i'm barking back at the guy saying yo this is my girl you need to chill out and this guy needless to say uh he provokes me to give him the address where we were at a park. Oh wow. And that was an unwise decision because that
1: definitely doesn't sound wise. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, totally unwise. I'll never do that again, especially with the yeah, with the guy who's trying to beat my head in, you know, with yeah. words. But needless to say, man, you know, as we're sitting in this, I, I end up hanging up, he hung up, and then we sitting in this park, me and the girl, we're listening to this music. We're doing what high school students do, fogging up the windows, okay. Talking crazy all of a sudden a van peels in. They pull in about 20 feet across from us. I'm nervous at this point. I tell the young lady, Hey, just sit here, sit here, Uh chill. Uh And she thought she noticed what the car, like she thought she knew who it was. And she said, it may be her ex-boyfriend. Then I was like, Oh man, I did give him the address. So I'm getting out the car And all of a sudden, five guys jump out of the car. I'm not talking about burgers, right? Yeah. And as I'm walking towards them, my heart's beating out of my chest. My mind's racing at this point. And I'm like, what am I getting myself into as I'm walking over there?
1: And you're how old at this time?
0: Uh, I'm a young 17-year-old at that time. You know, just foolish as ever. And as I'm walking closer to them, they're walking closer to me. The short guy is leading the pack. And... As I get closer to him, I notice it was her ex-boyfriend because I follow him. I, well, well, I was following him, but to him on my face. I knew what he was doing. But uh, he reaches into his waistband and I'm like, oh, I didn't know what he was doing. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, he pulls a pistol in the air. He waves it in the air. I turn and I run. My heart fell at the bottom of my stomach. But here's what sadly happened. I slipped and I fell and he stood over me. Boom! Boom! Two gunshots ring out. He stood over you stood over and me. shot you. Oh,
1: not from a distance, point he, blank, he, point blank. He intended to kill you. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. for sure. And if I had not of, by the grace of God, if it, it was only the grace of God, but if the Lord had not given me, given me these reflexes, what to move <laughs> my legs up in the air quick like this to cover my, uh, your chest, my vital organs, yeah. my chest. I I really believe he would have hit down in my, my vital organs and and things Mm. like that. But needless to say, I, he pierced uh, two bullets through my, my leg, uh, the back of my knee and one through my hamstring. And it missed my artery by like a half inch or something. It was just something ridiculous. Mm. It was crazy. So by the grace of God, man, like uh, they ran off (laughs) and they drove out and sped on the car. But, I got up and as I'm running, I didn't know I was shot in that moment, you know, because the adrenaline, I thought I, I, you know, went unscathed in a way, but yeah. I run over to the car. And when I dive at the left side of the car, the passenger side, my left, i look into the, you know, door, the door is wide open. The young girl's gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this moment, I hear this van still not too far away. I was thinking someone had jumped out of the van to come over and finish me off. So I'm over here nervous out of my mind, and I don't know what's going on. But here's the way I found out I was shot. I was laying on this cold sea, man, and warm blood began to come up my back. And I went and I had mm-hmm. a panic attack at that moment. And yeah. I just remember just I I, I didn't I, I was in such a dark place, brother. I can't even really put it into words, but it was one of the saddest freak moments I ever experienced. But I did remember this. In that moment, I began to think about like, wow, my coaches aren't here. You know, my friends aren't here. My parents aren't here. You know, my teammates aren't here. And the girl, the girl that I so somewhat was arguing about, she's not even here right now. Mm. Like, what is life? And
1: And you're all alone, man.
0: Yeah, I was all alone. The darkest moment of my life. And I only had God to call out on. And I cried out to the God of the universe. And he met me where I was. And I'm dazzled that he... Meets us, you know, the God of the dazzling mountaintop is the God of the valley, man. And he met me where I was in that valley.
1: So, did you have a relationship with the Lord before that?
0: No, not an authentic relationship. Right. Matter of fact, I was more of a hedonist that I, it was cool to think of this idea called God, but I didn't personalize him and nor did I care to. Mm-hmm. It was that moment where I was like, wow, okay, I need. I need help beyond what a person or even myself can do. I need God, so I cried out at that moment, and He met and, me there.
1: And how did God meet you there? Because uh, you're you're leaving us off, man. You're sitting on this concrete. Yeah. You got. You just realize that this is what's happening because you've got this warm blood that's on you now. Yeah, you can't leave us there. What happened next,
0: man? That's something that I always wrestle with, like. Like how did this happen? You know, because it wasn't supposed to happen. I should have been damned to hell that night. I'm just being honest. I should have went. I should have died that night. Mm-hmm. But here's what's beautiful: in Christ gave me life in a way. But He used the man who came up, who pulled up in a in a truck. And this guy gets out. I call him an angel to this day. It was like 20 minutes later, but it felt like an eternity. But this guy he comes up to me and he grabs me and he throws me on the back of his sh- or on his shoulder. And he puts me in his trunk, and I'm bleeding like like God knows what, right? And yeah. he speeds off, and he's running lights and everything to get me to the hospital. We pull wow. up to the hospital. He runs around. And I don't know this guy. This was insane, bro. This was insane. It, it was a miracle from God. Yeah. He throws me on the back of his shoulders. He runs me into the hospital. And um, then they got to work, and I never, and this is what gets me, I never... Seen that guy to this day. Hmm. I've never seen him to this day, and I'm just blown away about how God uses like moments like that to show us his mercy and kindness, man.
1: Yeah, so you were a high school athlete, so you're not a small guy. And no. this you said this guy just picked you up over his shoulder and put you in the back of his truck.
0: Yeah. That
1: yeah, wow. like that.
0: And he didn't seem he was definitely shorter than me. I could definitely tell that. And he didn't seem as if he was a strong guy. I could, I don't remember wrapping my arms around muscles. All I knew is that I just needed help and someone here mm. is helping. Like yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Did he say anything to you? Uh it was very what was weird about it there wasn't many words. He said like I got you. I got you. Mm. That's the only three words I remember. I got you. But outside of that, I mean literally he took me into the hospital. And they put me on like a gurney deal and I never seen him to that point. Mm. But I do remember this. He was wearing a white shirt and it was full of blood. Mm. You know, now that I look in retrospect, just to think about like in the same way, you know, Jesus shed his blood for us. And, you know, I I don't know, like that he makes us whiter than snow, man. I don't know. I just think about that. We're covered by the blood.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. You know, Jesus took our sins upon Himself for us. Wow.
0: Amen. So,
1: how long were you in the hospital? What What did they do there?
0: So, I was in the hospital. It was at least uh, two weeks or so. Two weeks, and they had me on tons of morphine. But I remember you were
1: in really bad shape.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, Uh, definitely. Uh, And I thought I I didn't think I was going to make it, dude. Like. Mm-hmm. Just the amount of blood I lost alone. I wasn't supposed to be here. What was amazing was uh, when I see my dad come in. Uh, I'll never forget that he's this stern military officer. You know, he's this guy that never would cry. Guy of great bravado and things like that. But I seen him walk in that night. I got shot. With tears flowing down his eyes. And mm. and I just never forgot that. And I was like, how much more was does my heavenly father, you know, cry out that I know him and that I walk in what I'm supposed to walk in? You know, yeah. His purpose for my life. So yeah. So after that, dude, I realized who my friends were. You know, a lot of guys who were supposed to be my friends, I never heard of even the schools, and one of the toughest things is when our idols start to get stripped, the things we mm. we love so much gets taken away overnight. That was football for me. Like the big scholarships that I had overnight taken away. They was like, we don't want gang members on our, on our team. Mm. And well, there was one coach I heard specifically said that, but a lot of other scholarships were taken and yeah, it was just, it was sad news for me, but at the end of the day, it got me back into the word of God, you know? And because I grew up in the Baptist niche and I heard about God. I knew about him. We have Bibles all around the house. I just never read them. But that forced me to get back in there when you are left to no resources.
1: Right, right.
0: And everything else fails.
1: So you said you got back into the Bible at that point. Where did you get a Bible? Because it seems like you hadn't been around a Bible in a while, judging from what you, was, what you were just talking about.
0: Love it. That's a great question. So what even compelled me, you know, because it had to have been the grace of God and the voice of God calling me in that hospital room, because he used a nurse. This nurse wrote down a Psalm and she said something like, uh, uh, it was just something so powerful, but I'm trying to remember. She said something like you have never been forsaken. You have never been mm-hmm. left And It's a, like a mercy hospital type deal, like a Catholic, okay. but she was a Christian girl. And she hands me over a note and I'll never forget that. And that was the first thing that sort of plant the seed. I need to get back into the word of God. And like it was so weird because I would see Bibles around, but I'll never get into them. But whenever my resources failed Mm. and I died with them, I only could look to what they would call the book of life, man. And I I opened it up and I never looked back. Well, I did look back, I did turn. (sighs) But the thing is, I there was something that was continually boiling in me. Over that time. I was a false convert for sure. I either a prodigal a really bad prodigal son after that, but uh God really got me later in LA though. So
1: Yeah. So you mentioned something in passing when you said about your dad being this military dude. Yeah. Um so did you grow up traveling all over and moving in different places and around the country? And I'm sure that your dad he he ran a tight ship, I'm guessing, in at, at the house.
0: Oh yeah. My dad, boy, he was, we were four boys too. Okay. So he needed, he
1: needed some authority there.
0: Yes. Yes. And everything throughout my life, I felt like it was so performance based and it was, Mm -hmm. uh, it pretty much was bad. Like their love was there, but it felt like, dude, I have to do this right. Or I ain't going to be aight. You know what I mean? Things aren't going to be aight. So I struggled with that a -a 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 long time and, you know, I couldn't help because he grew up without a dad. He wanted to do a great job of mm. raising great boys. But the problem is we need grace and the greatness doesn't come from us, you know. So, yeah, just growing in that was something that I had to do by getting acquainted with my heavenly father and but still honoring my dad the best I can. He yeah. did the best he could as a father. I could say that.
1: Yeah, that's great that he was able to be there at the hospital that night just to see you and that you have that memory of him shedding a tear for you. Somebody that you didn't think that that was something that you'd see very often. You knew that he loved you at that point for sure.
0: So true brother. Yeah, Yeah.
1: So tell me about you, you got this Bible and you started reading it, but when did you encounter Jesus and when did that Mm -hmm. change happen in your life?
0: Love it. So years later, you know, I answered the promise that, um, you know, sin, it promises us a lot of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. even fun, it delivers on a lot of that stuff too. Fun, but here's what it doesn't show you that it also delivers emptiness. Mm-hmm. So, years after, you know, one, going to college, playing sports, sleeping around, acting a fool, even spending time selling drugs with some of my guys in college just because the Pell Grant wasn't enough for us, right? Mm-hmm i golf and i have this secret life where one side of me is this rltc cadet doing great in academics going to army medical school but the other side of me is going to, to strip clubs at night doing whatever i can um to to fill that sort of deep longing that i can only find in christ i wanted you know that longing for uh, to be seen successful on the side of the world but mm-hmm. here's what's wild about that bro um, after getting into Army Medical School, being there for a while, I realized that, dude, my cousin is out in L.A. He's in big movies like with Zac Efron, the lucky one, like in American Reunion, in American Pie. He's like the only black guy in this movie. And I'm like envious, but I'm excited for him. One another side of me. And I'm like, no, I got to get out of this uniform, you know, Mm. this as an army officer, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get out in LA and live up, live it up, right? YOLO, you know, you you (laughs) only live once. So I I end up saying to my commander, after I graduate army medical school, I want to go out and join the reserves and go out and chase and pursue what I want to do. And so the army allows me to do what I want to do in a way and get out and go to reserves. And I go out to LA. And finally, when I get there, I get around my cousin. He's already with all the celebrities and these influencers. I start riding a rocket ship with social media fame, start getting okay. a little name out there. I was doing it for the vine and mm-hmm. my, uh, social media platform start growing up. I was working with, uh, all these different major like the Oprah Winfrey Network and okay. I was doing some things with Soldier Boy as a hype man. I mean, living in a nice home in a valley, had a G Wagon. You know, I was in meetings with people who would wear PJs, just getting off a of PJ, a private jet. I mean, wow, life was good, but at the end of the day, I was miserable. I was yeah. empty on the inside. Like, on the outside, people can be like, he's wearing the branded clothes. He's suited and booted. He looks good. He's on Hollywood Boulevard at night with the stars. But deep down in me, I was scarred, man. Uh, I remember being in my room wrestling one night, and here's where the Jesus moment came. I'm, I'm wrestling with, you know, God. Didn't even know I was wrestling with God, but I, I was just saying, why am I here? You know, that famous line, why am I here? Yeah. And... I remember what sealed the deal was I got a message from a friend, you know, and this was guys I loved and I cared about and to struggle with this rejection that they gave me, you know, was just terrible. They was just like, Rashawn, we done with you, bro. We found out that, you know, this or that. And really it was also envy because my platforms were growing bigger than them, but they were good Mm -hmm. friends of mine from high school and they were in LA trying to pursue but I just knew that they wanted something from me. So I was like, nah, I was holding off on them, but it just tore up our relationship. So at the end of the day, I was struggling with them walking away from me, me being good friends with them for so long. And not only that, the girl that was my dream girl had walked away from me that same week. Oh, and wow. I was like, okay, I'm about to take my life. <laughs> I'm done That's with a this. Lot going on. Yeah. So I walk down the hall and I go into uh, the room where the pistol was and I unlock it. I get out the pistol. I walk down the hall. It felt like an eternity. And as I'm walking into my room, I I go get on my knees and I put the pistol in my mouth and I'm shaking it and I'm sweating at this point. Like at this point, I'm just my heart's beating out of my chest. I don't know what's on the other side of eternity. Right. Mm -hmm. So I put the gun down. I put it back in my mouth. I'm shaking. I put the gun down, I put it back in my mouth. I'm shaking. I did it. So on and so on. But there was two thoughts that came through my mind. Number one, if I were to shoot myself right now and I were to live, mm. I thought, can I go through the same pain that I went through when I was a 17-year-old boy? Like, mm. I don't want to go through that again when right. I had got shot down. No. So, but if I, here's the second thing. I thought if I were to shoot myself and I were to die, am I ready to meet this this loving, this all-knowing, all-seeing god who's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and understanding but yet still holy and raffle am i ready to meet him because i read about it i heard about it am i ready to meet him my maker so i was wrestling between those things but all of a sudden when i go to put the pistol back in my mouth i see my phone lit up i seen the light right i throw down the pistol you know, slowly but surely, but I didn't really throw it down, but I set it down and I picked up the phone and I clicked uh, you know, the notification and there was a, a verse. There was a young lady, only Christian girl that I had knew that wrote this. Oh, how wide, how deep, how vast the love of God is and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. Wow. I was like, oh, and when I was reading and reading, I began weeping and weeping. And that night, I unloaded my heavy soul uh, mm. to the God of the universe, man, and and He met me there. That was the wild part about it. And I remember—I mean, you don't go from sunshine, you know, uh, dark darkness, the darkest valley, to sunshine and rainbows in a given moment. You don't go switch like that. So I wrestled with God that night. But I remember just. Having this again, peace, but then I wrestled, and I fell asleep. I end up falling asleep, but this is where it got me, man. As I'm sleeping, all of a sudden, I wake up, it was like maybe four in the morning or something, and I have this urge to look underneath my bed. It's really weird, And I go over and I turn on the light and I go back to the bed. Throw the covers over my head and like, look underneath the bed. And then I finally, I go to look underneath the bed and there was a suitcase I had never seen before.
1: This is your bed.
0: Yeah, this is my bed. But however, I was working for an agency called Fabrizio Agency out of New York that would bring talents in and out of this home and artists, er actors, everything. Okay. And I've never seen the suitcase before. I pull it out from underneath the bed. Doom, doom. I open it up. And there you go, some dirty clothes. It was some stinky clothes, but on top uh, of the trash, there was a treasure. It was a book. Guess what book it was?
1: I'm going to guess the Bible.
0: That's it. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. Yes, the B-I-B-L-E. And when I began reading it, it began to read me. Mm. And I open it up and I go to the red letters, bro. And those red letters stuck out like a semi-truck, 100 miles per hour, and hit me head on, man. And and as I read it, it was these words. If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. But it said, he that wants to keep his life must lose it. Mm. But he that loses his life for my name's sake shall gain it. And then this was all the marvels for all the jewels, all the gold. All eternity right here, laid down on these words. And he said this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? That spoke to me like no other, bro. I was like, like I, my whole life I've been running after things, pursuing things. And at the end of the day, d- is it worth my soul, my eternity? And I, I just turned my, my life over the best I knew how you know, I didn't have the words to say, but I literally worked my way out of that home immediately. Yeah. I felt just comp- God compelled me to pack up, which was only one book bag. And I stole that Bible that night. Matter of fact, it's the number one stolen <laughs> book in the world. And I got yes, on, a, is. on is. a bus and uh, mm. didn't look back, just read the word of God.
1: Wow. So I I can't leave this part alone. You said you got a random text message with a Bible verse. Were you texting with this person beforehand and they just, or it was just like God told them to send Rayshawn this verse right now?
0: What's wild about it? So that would have been really cool if it was a text, but it was actually a notification.
1: Oh, notification. From
0: Facebook that, you know, Genesis, which is her name, uh, had posted that verse. And then I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. And I was so weird that I clicked on it, but I remember her being one of the most contagious people I had ever met. Mm. Whenever I was out at my brother's football game at Baylor university, we were at a party that happened to be a Christian party, you know, full of Christians. But I remember it being so different from the girls. She was so different from the girls. I would see at in LA, you know, Mm -hmm. in. They, the women in LA, they'll overlook you and they'll look past you to the door, making sure no one, someone else famous, they'll see yeah. if they walk in and this and that. But she was intently that night looking at me and she wanted to know, like, was my soul care, brother? She wanted to know if I was okay and mm-hmm. she wanted to know me for me yeah. and hear from me.
1: And you got a notification that she posted that Bible verse.
0: Yeah. Changed
1: everything. We know that we get a lot of notifications on our everyday thing, but I definitely know that God allowed that one to rise to the top yes. to get your attention at that right time.
0: Yes, sir. At that time. So that
1: same night that you had that gun to your head, you had that experience. When When did, how long from that night until you bought the bus ticket?
0: Literally the next morning. So that happened about four in the morning. I end up just make, having to make a split decision like, am I going to stay here? Or am I going to respond to what God is you know, revealing to me in this moment? And I was like, born again, I seen everything different from that moment on. It was like something turned in my life. So I went and I grabbed that Bible. I put it on my book bag and I just left. I left the G-Wagon. I left the house. I left all my possessions. I jumped on the city bus, the LA bus at this point. That bus would run all the time, uh, and I would see it all the time, but I never noticed this park, you know, this bench, bus bench that was right by my house. But it stuck out to me, and I just sat there and the, the bus came and I, I just started riding on that bus for like four hours, bro. You know, a lot of people, you know, we read through the Bible and we see Jesus mean people at Galilee, the Samaritan woman, you know, mean people everywhere, but he truly met me on that bus, bro. I started reading mm-hmm. the words of Jesus like no other for like the next four hours. And I'm, I was all over the city. I did several transfers to different buses. and I ended up downtown later that day, probably around 3 or something p.m. Because uh, I got off, I walked around a bit, and I got on another bus. But I finally get downtown at about 3 p.m. And I'm all of a sudden near the Greyhound bus where there's a whole bunch of homeless folks. And I began to talk to them about Jesus. And, you know, of course, I got my first, you know, bit of persecution. Yeah. Thankfully, not like Stephen. I ain't get stoned to death for now. But mm-hmm. I, I started sharing what I what I knew. Like, did, have you heard of this, this and that? So I got my love for the homeless there. And I end up uh, getting with a guy on the Greyhound where I was just like, okay, let me just go back to Oklahoma. So I get on the Greyhound bus and... Literally rode that bus for the next twenty hours. By that time, my phone was dead. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any money on me, you know, besides uh, my debit card and and things like that. But I got on the Greyhound bus, and we get past Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember just weeping, and mm-hmm. I, I remember just putting even a logo, a black logo, on all my social media profiles. At that point, like I'm, I'm ghost. I'm, I'm like out. I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. blacking out of all this. And I stayed off social media for like at least the next few months. And I just got myself before the Lord. Wow. And it was sort of like what Moses did when he left, uh, Is you know.
1: He left Egypt and Egypt it was on the backside of the wilderness back, for 40 years. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that was, that was something that God just, he was just working in me. To do that, so it wasn't even a desire necessarily mm. for me at that moment to even it, not even in my interest, but it was just something that I was compelled to, and it became a desire. Yeah, was God's desire for me. So,
1: so how did this? I mean, you you wrote a book. You you're a pastor now. You're you've got a lot of things going on in ministry.
0: Fill in the gaps for me. How did you get there? To this day, I still think about it like only God could take a high school student. Who essentially had a lot of D's and all of this stuff, uh, a terrible report card, and turn them into an author? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I never mentioned that my fourth grade teacher told me to never pick up a pen and write again, and I held on to that for years. Like I was haunted by that. Mm. But it's something so beautiful how how God literally rewrites our story. He does, and I love how He makes all things brand new like he gives us new taste buds on the tongue of our heart you know mm. I was a hedonist man but he made me basically what John Piper would say a Christian hedonist like a heart for God that is most satisfied when you know yeah when him yeah in him
1: so how did you get into ministry? What I mean, you said that you have a love for the homeless, but let, let me hear about the ministry that God's called you to.
0: Perfect. So as I'm there, you know, didn't know nothing about ministry or a lick of, you know, what it looks like to minister, even though I was being ministered to like my whole life by the yeah. nurse at the hospital, you know, by the young lady that came out of nowhere through a social media post. But dude, I didn't realize what ministering was until I was ministered to by God. When I was in the mm. lonely trenches of my bedroom and Jesus met me there. When I was actually, it was my brother's bedroom. When I had got back from that Greyhound bus ride, I went and laid on my brother's floor for, for several months and I got planted in the church. And when I got planted in the church, awesome men of God came around me, guys who are so devoted to Christ and who love the Lord, not perfect by any means. They share with vulnerability and authenticity, their brokenness, but yet they had this joy for God and for the kingdom of God and for his people and this love that just shook me. It left me in awe. And I started following them as they follow Christ. And all of a sudden, God is giving me favor to go speak into inmates. Like he opened up a door Mm -hmm. for me to go into prisons, In juvenile detentions to start sharing my faith. And it was a little bit, you know, tough and sticky at times because I just didn't know how, but I just started with my story. So we all can, you know, along the way open Mm -hmm. up our mouth and share what God has done in our life. And that's where I started, man. And what matter of fact, what purpose this book was when I was at the big jail uh, work, I ended up loving it so much, ministering there. I got a job there as a DO detention officer. And really, bro, here's what stuck out, John. Uh, I would see women who had just can't come in there, you know, one, Thunder cheerleaders, NBA cheerleaders who had just come in there before DUI. And I would also see folks in there for murder. Mm. And I would ask them the same question, like, would you ever consider coming to Christ? Like, he loves you. J- trying to share the gospel the best I knew how. And right. they would all say the, the same thing. They would all say, do you see my life? Do you see where I'm at now? I got to get my life together first. Or like, they would say things like that. I'm like, no. Matter of fact, I just read the other night, being this baby Christian, right? Like that Jesus, you know, he didn't come for those who have it all together, but for those who are sick and need a doctor, he came for you. And it took a while to get the, understand that, you know, one man plants a seed, another waters, Mm -hmm. but God makes it grow. Yeah. Yeah. I would be discouraged sometime when they didn't respond, but yeah, thankfully the Word never returns void. You know
1: that is so true. You know it's it's great to know that you just had this passion to then share your faith with other people. Yeah, and even though you didn't have, you know, probably the four spiritual laws memorized Uh or um, all these other ways that you share the gospel and, um, you know, you don't have a theological degree. You, you know, you were just telling people about this Jesus that you met and he changed your life and he can change your life too. I mean, that's all, that's as simple as it can be. And that's just awesome that you just took whatever opportunity that you could to share your faith like that. Yeah, And, so do you have any stories of somebody that has like that their life has been turned around because of a, a simple invitation like that?
0: Love it. So, yeah, I can. Matter of fact, I'll stay right in the county jail. There's been many times, many times that I've seen people. As a corrections run, officer, a correction right? corrections officer. Not a, yes. Sir. Not
1: in the county. I'm, I'm, oh, no. You're talking about that.
0: Yeah. Just making that clear. Yeah. If anybody's wondering, oh. making that clear. No, I w- thankfully, I wasn't an inmate, man. Uh, no longer a slave <laughs> but you know what I'm saying but but anyways, I was uh working there one day and you know I was a baby Christian still and I had just printed out this you know awesome book I would share it around I would write little letters across the jail it was really fun times but one day one specific day, I was discouraged. I went to the bottom of the jail and I had to just pray to God like God, you know I need you here today with me and you know, walk uh show me where to walk and I'll go. And needless to say, I finally get to the 12th floor. He let me there. I walk in, the big door opens up, and uh it's a loud sort of one of the craziest places disciplinary segregation. It's the jail mm. within the jail where the rotten sort of apples are up there. Um and as I'm walking around ministering to folks and talking to them, I finally get to cell number 12. And there was a young man uh, who's in there. And I knew about him. I knew of him. And needless to say, as I'm going to go talk to him and to minister to him, he says, Cope, Cope, hey, bro, go, go over there to the middle of the pod. Go over to the middle of the pod. And there's a book. Grab that book for me. And as I get over there, there, I lift it up. And it's a Quran. You know. And I thought, this dude, I know he isn't a religious man, so he must be just pulling my chain right now something, you know, is up. So I'm walking back over towards him and I open up the little cubby deal where you put the tray in the tray hole. Mm-hmm. And as I open it up, all of a sudden he throws this warm liquid out at me. Guess what it was? It oh. was pee. <laughs> no, I can't yeah, joke that's... about it. I can laugh about it today, but woo boy. we were laughing then. Yeah, were laughing then. I wanted to. Matter of fact, I wanted to speak in a tongue that needed no interpretation. I was <laughs> upset, man, and I remember being so frustrated. Uh, but I wanted to, because everyone knew me as the joyful kid, the the man of God uh, in that pod. But somehow, some way, God gave me the strength not to like outburst or curse him or to do mm-hmm. anything belligerent. And what I decided to do is calmly walk out. Why? The whole place is laughing. I mean, they're laughing. Yeah, he got pissed on, piss pot, new boot, new boot. They're calling me new boot because I was pretty new, still working. Anyway. Okay,
1: yeah. And
0: I, I get to the door and as I'm walking out, I'm just like, God, I'm like, in a way, just arguing with God. Like, why? Why? God, I already yeah. told you I'm having a terrible day. Like, why this? Why now? And uh, I get to the little, uh, elevator takes me down and my supervisor, I guess they seen on camera what happened. He meets me towards the door where I was going to walk out of, I was just going to quit. And he was Mm -hmm. like, no, let's talk about this. Let's write a report. Let's talk about it. We'll get you squared away. I was like, no, I'm out of here. Peace. And I finally get out to my car and he's walking with me out to my car. Let's talk about it, Rashawn. And I'm like, no, I I quit. Uh, and then I get in my car and I go to drive out uphill out. And, um, As I pull off and I get over to the the light that is down the street from the jail, all of a sudden I hear the voice of God tell me to go back. Hmm. And at this moment, I was just like, okay, no, why go back? And I was like, okay, God. And then all of a sudden, because I was all over the place and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. In blind obedience, I went back, I I parked the car, Uh, I went downstairs into the laundry room and they gave me a new outfit. Cleaned up a little bit and I went. I felt compelled to go back up to the 12th floor. So I get back to where this inmate is. They're laughing at me. They're like, you know, just making fun of me. I'm walking towards the cell. I get to cell 12. I look in there and the man, he's just like, yo, what you back for, Cope? Why you come back? You want some more, bro? And like, he has this face on him. And I'm like, no matter of fact, I want you to know, dude, I love you and I forgive you. But more importantly than that, God gave me the power to tell him this. That Jesus loves you so much and he died on the cross for your sins, and like, um, he's not done with you. I said something along that, uh, along that, you may have given up on him, but he's not done with you. And I walk away and I'm like trying to get out of there while they're laughing and stuff. But all of a sudden, as I get close to the door, I hear this Yo, Cope, yo, Cope, come back, come back. And he stops me in my tracks and I turn around and I walk back towards. So I'm like, why does he want me to come back? It's so weird. So as I'm getting over there and I look into the window, tears are flowing down this man's mm. face. Tears are flowing down this man's face. And he said, you know what, man? No one's told me in a long time they love me, man, and that they care for me. Um, and uh, come to find out as I was speaking to him, he told me that, you know, from the moment he was born, he was in a foster home. Like, and he was always rejected by his parents. His mom had died at a young age. His dad went off to prison and died in prison. Like, it was a whole bunch of stuff messing his life. And he was a delinquent and depraved almost his whole life. And I remember just ministering to him about the Lord and how God is close to the brokenhearted. And, you Mm -hmm. know, he's with those with a contrite spirit. Like, dude, you have a contrite spirit right now. He wants you. And, like, I'm ministering to this kid and, Soon enough, he traded that Quran for the book of John. We got into the gospels and, and I stayed there with him for hours that night talking Amen. about the love of God through Christ Jesus, who came to die for sinners like us, who rose again on the third day. He's not still dead. He rose again with all power in his uh, hands so we can now live and, 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 and give his life. So at the, what, what's amazing, bro, is that he gave his life to Christ that night. He beat his case uh, several months later, and he became a preacher on the south side of Oklahoma City. Now he's preaching the no gospel way. right now, brother. And wow. he does these outreaches that are huge in our city right now for gang members. He's going to all the dangerous neighborhoods, and they've done several. It's called Banging for Jesus in Oklahoma City. He's doing amazing things for Christ now by the grace of God. Yeah.
1: Because God spoke to you as you were peeling out, trying to leave. God said I'm not done with yes. him yet and you went back and you forgave him and t- his life turned around. That's amazing. Yes, bro. That is amazing. Mercy.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. So, tell me some of the message that you have in start where you are because it seems like you you know it took you a little bit of time to get started, yeah. but it didn't matter where it was that you started. You you just started.
0: Yes. And and here's the thing brother like just like you bro John I know you have a place where you had to start and God had to meet you there like no one else could you know you mm-hmm. had it all together your life was together like no one could tell you nothing we I think we all get to that place where we're a good person whether or not we others believe it or not or whether or not we believe we are but I think what's so cool about it is um like Jesus doesn't turn you know us into perfect christians but he turns us into beloved children. Like we were slaves and now we can experience this sonship. And one thing that I could say for myself personally is that uh, those who are going to read this book or pick it up is we all need mercy. We all need mercy for our mess. We're all sinners who, who are in route to a place called hell. You have to speak on that without the mercy and grace of God. And I want to just encourage someone out there today is that God loved you so much. He sent his son to die for you and he loves you deeply, no matter where you are today. And he wants you to receive that message, you know?
1: So we're getting close to the, to wrapping up here, but I have to ask you, you know, just like the disciples were walking with Jesus along the way um, and they didn't realize that it was him until they sat down at the table and Jesus blessed the food and breaks the bread. And then poof, he's gone. And they turn to each other and, and realize what would happen. And they said, weren't our hearts burning within us along the way? You know, Rashawn, where was a moment that your heart was burning, but you don't realize it until you look back?
0: You know what? A lot of times for me personally, I glazed over the fact that the scripture reveals the greatest burning heart ever, which was Christ. When I realized his heart, and how it burnt for me, that changed everything. When I realized that all while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And I I make it personal. Like what Paul says, um, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live is by faith in the Son of God who loved me. That passion Mm -hmm. who loved me is personal for him and gave himself up for me that changes everything. When I realized his love for me personally, to have the wrath of God poured out on him for me, it changed everything. I don't need no more fire from nowhere except for to see the heart of God for me. And that changes my heart to be on fire for him. And I got to go share it with the world. So I'm indebted. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel, Paul said. I got to go share the word of God.
1: So your, your heart is definitely burning and, uh, I can, I can tell that just from our conversation here and, uh, you know, other places that I've seen you as well too, but kind of my follow up question to that, Rayshawn, if you could have a time machine and get in that time machine and go and visit little Rayshawn somewhere along your own timeline and give yourself some piece of advice with the wisdom that, and the knowledge that you have now, what stage of life would Rayshawn be in and what would you want to tell, tell a younger version of yourself? What's that, what's that advice? And also what, what's, what would be happening in, in, in young Rayshawn's life that you need that information too?
0: Wow. That's a good question. So honestly, I would pray one before I even go talk to the younger Rayshawn, I would pray understanding that he would have a heart of understanding over him because I I've blocked off so many people, so much wisdom, so much loving advice and truth that was spoken to me my whole life. So I would pray understanding. But the second thing is, I would definitely hope that God will take that Rashawn to a broken place faster. Mm-hmm. And like that, it would turn my heart fast. Because here's the thing, what I've discovered, brother. That brokenness is the place that stops us, it halts us. It kills our progress. So we reach a dead end, though there's nowhere else to go, right? And that we realize, we come to this realization that all that we have, all that we are, all that we are trying to become outside of God in and of ourselves is utterly insufficient. That's when you find out in that place of brokenness. That's why I love what David said. David said this after, uh, you know, Psalms 51, after he committed those acts against Bathsheba and uh, killed Uriah. Um, mm-hmm. He said this, brother, he said, let these bones you have crushed rejoice. That cha- When I read that, let these, like God breaks us to save us, literally. And I pray that that Rashan could, when he experience, because it's coming, when he experiences it, that he would have understanding to walk with God through it and acknowledge God with Him through that brokenness and walk, follow after Him, and that's all I got, man. Because outside of that, everything else is going to be insufficient, empty, and a dead end.
1: Yeah. So you're saying that uh, little Rashawn wouldn't have been able to detour, that you know, go a different direction. Um, you, he needed to go. You needed to go through that stuff.
0: Yes. You.
1: Yeah. You just would, you just wanted it to happen quicker
0: <laughs> quicker quicker but here's another thing like when I was there I didn't have the, the the knowledge or the understanding or wisdom to know that it's it's not when I'm in a place of brokenness it's not for me to to look at myself that's why a lot of people struggle with depression I've I struggle with depression where I put myself in a little box and it's all Focus back on me. Like, in when we're in those dark places, those broken spots, we tend to focus on ourselves Are we focus on others, or circumstances, but we miss God. I would pray that young boy, Rashawn, would fix his eyes on God, have a perspective, a prayer, a praise, you know, that's empowered by prayer in knowing the person of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: You know, Rashawn, you've talked about a lot of different times that the Bible has come alive to you in different areas. Do you have a verse that you would consider like a life verse that you just hold on to right now?
0: Yeah. um, And for me, it goes back to Psalm 1. I'm a Psalm guy. but It's good,
1: man. It's a good book.
0: I think it's just so valuable. Um, And Psalms 1 is so timely for me because, one, blessed is he. It says this, blessed is he. I want to be a blessed man. Blessed is he who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor take the way that sinners take, nor sit in the company of mockers, but blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord. You know, for he will be prosperous, successful in all he does. And the scripture says, that's not so for the wicked. The wicked is like chef. He's blown and tossed by the wind. My whole life I was blown and tossed by the wind. But yeah, you're, when you're anchored in God, you'll be a blessed man, and um, whatever the life or this world brings you, you can weather the storm with Him, being anchored in Him.
1: So. Amen. Amen. You know, at the beginning of our conversation, I made mention of that little phrase that's often used here in Pittsburgh of, you know, somebody asks you for directions, and you get the response, you can't get there from here. Oh, I am yeah. so, so glad that God doesn't tell us we have to go somewhere else before we can before we can meet Him. You know, I want to right now, Rishon, give you the opportunity to talk to somebody that's listening that says, I don't think I can start right here. Mm. Encourage them to meet Jesus and to start where you are.
0: Amen. So if you're listening in right now, um, I just want to encourage you, listen, Jesus didn't die for the perfect version of you, okay? You don't have to be perfect. He died for not who you pretend to be, but who you actually are, and we actually are broken and sinful people, whether we like it or not. We've all lied, cheated, stolen on some degree, right? We've done something uh, that is lower than what God has for us, that is uh, um, is lower than the standard He's laid out. And I want to encourage you today, Jesus is that perfection for us, and you can choose Him today, no matter how messy your life is. And not only will He change your life here, but He'll give you everlasting life and I want to encourage you with that. you
1: know. Amen. Amen. Could you pray for
0: somebody that, that's, that wants to make that decision? Okay. Definitely. So, Father God, I thank you for our listeners. Whoever's listening in right now, specifically driving in their car, uh, maybe they're on a train ride. You, you know where they are, Lord, or they're head on the pillow. God, remind them that you own a cattle on a thousand hills. You're providing for them, but Lord, you gave them the best uh, which is your son, and through his death, his resurrection, um, and the life that he gives, they can have eternal life right now. So he that hears me, Jesus said, he that believes in he who sent me will not be condemned, or crossover from death to life. I just pray that they would have ears to hear from you today as we end out this podcast, this episode with my brother. Uh, I just pray that you would move in their hearts, move in their lives to cross over from death to life, uh, from hopelessness to pure joy in Jesus' name amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rishon. Thank you, bro. You know, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation here. And I want to also ask you to tell the listeners here how they can get a hold of you. How that where they can find your book, your website, uh, videos, whatever it is, what do you got? Tell us how to find you.
0: Love it, bro. And I, I need to get you on the podcast soon, man. Get you <laughs> on my show once we get going again. But uh, you can find me anywhere online, on social for sure, at Rashawn Copeland. Uh, my book's called Start Where You Are. You can go pick it up at the Barnes & Nobles, uh, Mardell's, wherever you have books or online at Amazon. Uh, and yeah, check it out. Start where you are. How God meets you in your mess, loves you through it and leads you out of it. Absolutely. Brother. Thank you so much, John. You are a joy, man. I really enjoyed you.
1: Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure to have you, and I will be putting links for all of those things that you just mentioned and how to get in touch with you in the show notes. So if you're listening and you just want to find out more about Rayshawn, just scroll down wherever you can get to the show notes, and there will be a link right there. And you can just click that and see more about how Rayshawn is being used by God in this day and age and what the next things that he's doing, and you can follow along with him as he's serving the Lord. And so, Rayshawn, I want to thank you for just taking some time and allowing me to join you along your way. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rashan. He is so full of joy, and I am sure that you picked up on that too. I was encouraged talking with him, and if you want to know more about Rashan, then I'll be providing the link to Rashan's book, website, and podcast in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and through my website, alongtheway.media. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey. And may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Along the Way is honored to be part of the Charisma Podcast Network. You can find tons of spirit-filled content from their vast catalog of podcasts, including my Monday through Friday news stories for the Charisma News Podcast. Go to cpnshows.com to see the full list and latest episodes.